Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. Mark and I tackle the fourth episode in our no-off-season series this week. So far, we've looked at fitness, we've looked at nutrition, we've looked at how to write your own programming, and this week, we look at something a little different. Mark and I tackle some of the more unconventional things that we do each year before we spend a lot of time in the outdoors, be it with family or friends for a certain season. Some of what we talk about is really practical. There are things that might be helpful that have nothing to do with the improvement of a skill in particular. Others fall into that latter category. There are things that you can progressively do to improve in a certain skill before the season ever really gets here. No matter what the goal is, I think that you'll find more than one thing in this helpful that you can take, use, and grow in while you're waiting for the season to roll back around. Here's part four. To this point, we're, we're still doing the... Um, no off-season series and we've covered dehydrating your own food we've covered uh, the different the different specifics when it comes to training be it fat loss or trying to improve endurance or planning your nutrition for those and then last week i sat down and talked with uh jake from atomic athlete and so that was great and those three will release and this is kind of the fourth and final one that we'll do this week's probably a little unconventional in the fact that it's not specifically nutrition focused. And this, um, like as I was thinking about this, this actually came about from conversations you and I have had in the past about how you, like you, and I know Steve has mentioned this before too, are really good about going right after the season or right after a hunt, kind of doing an inventory on things that worked, things that didn't work, and just taking note of that. And so it had me thinking, what are three unconventional and unconventional being non-nutrition, non-workout related things that you do to prepare in the off season? So I thought we could kind of bounce back and forth. You do one, I'll name one. So I got to thinking about this too and thought, I guess I do put attention to things other than nutrition and training to make sure that, you know, I've got, I've got the time and the space to go away in the fall what comes to mind for you that's unconventional maybe people don't think of all of the time as to something you do in preparation for the fall during the off season i don't know if it's unconventional uh i guess for you know as you said not nutrition or fitness related so maybe it's a little unconventional to this audience but as a hunter and um just backpacker it is like a lot of what you said is like literally taking the time to be to be very specific on debriefing the last year of what types of trips have I had and what places and what conditions and then identify things that I learned from that and that could be uh, what did or didn't work from a gear perspective but it could be the implementation of that right like what did not only um this jacket worked great. I'm going to keep using it. But what did I learn about my experience with that jacket? Or um, what was a what was something unique that happened this year that was a little bit different than maybe other experience that I've had? And maybe it ties to gear, maybe it doesn't. But like, what did I learn from that? And again, I think what's maybe unique is the intentionality behind that. So and some of that's like... Uh, some I don't want to say forced, but like something we've done with our podcast every year is like a gear of the year list. And and people like that, the listeners like that. I like that because it forces me to take that inventory, right? On not only what did I use this year, but in what ways did I find value in certain things? 
And then what we're, I think maybe what's unique is tying that very specifically to the experiences that I had this year, if that makes sense. Like that, that perfect pairing of, okay, here's what I used. Maybe it's not even like gear of the year doesn't mean it was new this year. It was, it proved itself this year in a way that made it extremely valuable. And then tying that to the what, when, why of, of the reason that that was so valuable, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Here's a side question for you. Could be potentially a long rabbit trail. Um, how do you, at, at what point do you personally, and I guess this isn't really necessarily a question that's driven towards trying to get, give advice to a listener, although I guess it could be that, um, at what point do you look at everything and say, it worked good. I'm going to stop messing with it. I'm just going to stop tinkering, not going to pick up a new jacket, not, and I mean, full disclosure that I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am. we've talked offline about jackets being like uh, the thing the tinker thing yeah exactly yes at what point do you sort of look at it all and say i'm just gonna like everything worked pretty good i'm gonna roll with it even for next year um i think you know i think that for me the things that meet that criteria are just things that I've proven again, going back to in different conditions. Right. So just cause I took something on a backpack hunt once and loved it on one trip doesn't cause me to what I feel would be to jump the gun and say, this thing is great. This thing is phenomenal. I'm going to use this forever because that was one place, one time, one week. Um, it's things like, you know, my catabatic quilt, for example, I've used that in so many different places, conditions, temperatures, different shelters, everything that I it, like, I just love it. I trust it. I don't have any, not only performance doubts about it, but there's nothing in like, here's a good example that maybe this is me being OCD. Something could perform incredibly well, but has certain features that I wish it had or wish it didn't have, or maybe it doesn't fit quite right. And even though it performed exceptionally well, I'm not fully satisfied with it because in my head, I'll have that, I wish it did this, or I wish it had that, or I wish it didn't have this, or I wish it was four ounces lighter, or I wish it fit a little bit better. So one is it proving itself in performance over multiple trips, wide variety of conditions. And then two, just meeting my personal, yeah, I'm happy with this. The, the fit, the function, the weight, the performance, the whole package. Again, that ha for me happens over time. So um, it, it, I will say it's probably pretty rare because I'm always like, on, with most things, I'm like, oh, it could be better, right? Like until you make it yourself, you're like, oh, I wish it did this, I wish it did that. But um, at the end of the day, that's all uh, a luxury to be able to be that critical about something, right? It, I'd, at the end of the day, if we're spending more time thinking about that stuff than we are actually using it, then the balance is off. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm the same. I would say uh, just to, I guess, echo everything you said, but also say, you know, like, so Lindsay and I, as a part of our family budget have like fun money side budgets. I blow all of mine on gear. 
she blows all of hers on her friends. So I don't know what that says about us, but <laughs> that is that is what it is. And I say that to say, I, you know, like I don't go buy stuff in the pursuit of finding perfection. I just like looking at stuff, right? Like I just like trying different things. And some of the differences are minuscule like 60 grams of insulation versus 80 versus 100 versus 100 in the body but only 60 in the sleeves i just like i like data i like metrics i like tinkering i like trying so i don't think that i I think sometimes i think sometimes constant tinkering gets um kind of a, a negative connotation in the sense of some people are faulted for it but i don't know that it's necessarily should be because if if it's what you enjoy doing and then there's no harm in it. With that said, I will also say that I am probably um, the most focused on the task at hand when everything in my backpack is the same. I've always taken it out. Mm -hmm. I've had multiple seasons with it. I don't have to wonder or like even subconsciously, at least I find myself doing this. Let's just take hunting, for example. You could be out, you could be in the middle of archery elk season, you could be looking for, you know, a bull or whatever. And while you're waiting between calls, you're subconsciously, at least I do, thinking, oh, is the wind blowing through this? Am I hot? Is this wicking my sweat? Is it not wicking my sweat? Is it fitting right? Is it too tight? Is it too loose? Is it? And if it's stuff that I've had for a long time, I don't think about any of that. I'm thinking about, hmm, no bull, where can we go next? <laughs> so. Yeah. I think there's I think there's advantages on on both sides, and I certainly didn't ask that um, thinking we arrive at this point where we just stop tinkering. I think that would also be foolish. But yeah, that's a great great first tip. If the point of tinkering is learning, then I think it's valuable. If the point of tinkering is like just chasing new without there being a strategic purpose of learning, then it's, then it's very questionable. Right. So I, you know, going back to what you said, like different types of insulation, amounts of insulation, I think the off season is a great time to test those things and learn something so that when you do go on, whatever your big trip, your big event, whatever is, that's not the place where you're learning. That's the place where you're performing. The learning happens outside of the event and that, you know, like to relate that to nutrition, something you talk about all the time, Kyle, is if you're training for, you know, this big hike, this big run, all of your, your off season, your preparation, the training leading up to that is when you're learning about what works for you, your fueling strategy and everything else. And so for me, it's the same way with like gear and hunting, all the, the off season even just hikes, whatever, that's me learning what's going to work so that when I go into the big event, I'm just then executing at that point in time. And again, like, I think there's value in just learning it. Like another thing I think we're going to touch on that I do in the off season would be something like reloading for shooting. And whether people reload or not, for me, the thing I like about reloading isn't just the satisfaction of like assembling components that are very accurate that shoot out of my rifle incredibly well. It's what I learn about the entire process and the entire system and the the satisfaction that comes from the knowledge, like the intimate, like intricate knowledge of 
this thing that I'm going to go do later and then enjoy. To me, when I understand something better, I think I appreciate it better, if that makes sense. It, it makes sense. And the, like, I think the, the added value of doing it right now, as opposed to even in the summer is there's no pressure. You have the time to sit there and learn. And if you come across, you know, something that it may be like, let's take reloading, which I'm relatively new to, you come across a term, like, let's just say like, um, the lands or the coal or whatever you don't know it, you can look it up and then you've got the opportunity and the time available to not just like look at the definition and move on, but really get an understanding of, okay, well, if this variable changes, what does it mean for the end outcome? Whereas like, if you start trying to, you know, if you have, you know, let's just say 10 rounds left going into July and you're like thinking about doing this reloading frenzy in the next three weeks, you barely have time to deal with that. If you've got a family, much less tinker with the curiosity side of things. And I agree with you. It's parallels nutrition reality. The only way you'll become better at it is if you really take the opportunity to sit there and learn it versus just meeting the objective and moving on. Same with hunting. Like if the, if the, if the goal is I'm just going to go out and try to shoot something, but you're never taking the opportunity to really learn about all of the different pieces of it, you probably won't progress continually like learning how to glass or where animals live or about their habitats or migration patterns if they get pressure or whatever if the goal is well i'm just going to go out and start looking and that's only your that's the only that's the only time you spend doing it you may luck out every so often but the repeatability of success will be quite low so yeah i think it's a good point yeah yeah it's the understanding that that is a value right so um in hunting you can luck out and like find a giant buck and fill your tag and maybe if you went into a trail run and didn't have a nutrition strategy and strategy and just grabbed stuff from aid stations maybe you did feel great and you didn't bonk and you didn't have gi upset but if you don't understand why that worked you don't really have any true knowledge or true experience so the the process of taking the time to understand and then trial and error and figure out what works the knowledge that comes from that is really what's what's valuable so taking the time to do that now as you said in in so many ways is is what i try to focus on it's great my first one um definitely unconventional but something i i do I, so, you know, living in Idaho, we have the luxury of being able to really drive anywhere that we hunt. So I try to usually in late fall, make sure the oil's changed make sure there's tire pressure in the spare tire in the back. I've got a Jack. That's like a Jack slash Jack stand combo that I'll carry, which would just, I mean, you could use a, um, a bottle Jack, but it would, be much easier <laughs> with this some plywood to, if you don't have even ground so throwing things like that just to make sure uh you know that everything a lot of people will um in some com especially as hunting and being in the backcountry being outdoors has become more popular a lot of people invest a time on worrying about something going awry when you're in the backcountry but there's i mean access to that backcountry could be hours down a pretty remote 
rock, maybe if you're lucky, gravel road. Um, and if you get yourself into a pinch, you will want to find a way out of that pinch. So I've learned over the years just to make sure that those things, and that doesn't take me a long time to, you know, change my oil, make sure that the tires have pressure, make sure there's a spare and that the spare has pressure, something to change the tire if I need it. Just a few little things. There's actually a few great, um, topics in rock slide on this about, you know, guys sharing what they've got in their truck as uh, let's call it an emergency kit or whatever. Um, just a, a few things, which I've found to be incredibly helpful, either, either for you or if you come across somebody who needs it. Yeah. I love how you find out helping others too. Cause that could be, you could save somebody else's day for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you, if man, if you, if you're the guy who's got the thing that the guy stuck needs, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that would, that could pay, I mean, dividends in the back, in the back country or on a gravel road or whatever. So yeah. Outside of hunting season, I think that one's super practical to do in the fall and like into winter, just on the chance that you you take a drive with a family or you do even like a small road trip and have some sort of issue, right? Like I thought of that because we just we did a road trip um a couple of weeks ago and it's normally a five hour drive, but I knew looking at the forecast, the day we were supposed to travel home, there's chances of like snow and ice. And so it was very much a, what if this turns into a 10 hour day instead of a five hour day? Or what if we get halfway home and get stranded? Like, what do we have to stay warm, have water, practical things if, you know, the truck breaks down, whatever. So that's one of those, uh, definitely not sexy, but very practical, uh, things that's worth thinking through. We will, um, like I'll usually leave all of that stuff in the truck either a until we go get our Christmas tree for the year or B if it's like, if it's a good ski season and we plan to be out for that, um, I'll leave it in there until the end of, of ski season. And honestly, it's not like it's occupying giant amounts of space in, in my truck. So sometimes I'll just leave it in there. Part of what I leave in there too, is there's pro I think there's two, there's two blankets, there's a tarp, and then there's some food, like just, you know, food that's not going to necessarily go bad. And I leave that in there even in the fall and the chance of like you have a flat and you end up having to stay out there all night and you're out of food because you've been hunting all week. Just, you know, all sorts of little things like that that could potentially come up. I think there's a spectrum <laughs> of what is quote unquote enough. Um, so, you know, so like I would consider mine pretty pretty bare essentials. I don't plan on being stuck for a week. I have, um, I know a guy who's got so much stuff for this that you can't even really fit your hunting stuff in there. I mean, every fluid known to man, every like spare batteries, basically enough to rebuild a truck if he needed to. I don't personally feel the need for something that extensive, but, um, but he does. So I think that, yeah, where people feel comfortable with this is going to be all over the map. I think it's a good like analogy to, uh, to gear with like hunting or any sort of like hobby pursuit, this whole idea of let's say you had all of that stuff, Kyle, if you don't have like the knowledge to know what to do with it and then how to use those things to solve a problem, that stuff is no good to you. Um, and you know, again, like, I'm talking hunting because it's it's my context, but people can take this into other hobbies. Like I 
pick up fishing, right? Like I enjoy fishing very casually. I know some things about it for some some context, some places, some species. But you put me in like a fishing context, targeting a species I don't know or with uh, equipment that is different than what I'm used to. Like you could give me all of the things and all of the stuff, but I'm not going to know anything to do with it. So <laughs> yeah, like you go overboard on having all the preparations, gear, fluids, whatever to like rebuild a truck. But I'm not the guy who can rebuild a truck even if I had all the right stuff. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I've seen guys with like brand new pro level still saws can't start it (laughs) it's like well it's a nice saw but it's got a the chain has to move to really do anything to the tree so (laughs) that'll know that it's going to be particularly helpful in this scenario all right so that's one what's your next one i try to think of anything um you know especially this idea of off season it's like what is what is perishable in my, especially particular in like in abilities. So um, like a good way to look at that would be uh, shooting your bow. You don't forget how to shoot a bow. And in some instances, I can set a bow down for quite some time and then pick it back up and like get a decent level of accuracy again. But even the physicality of that, depending on how much you let that slip, I'm not going to, you know, if I put the bow down for like three, four months over winter, when I do start to shoot again, I'm not going to be as stable. I'm not going to have like the actual endurance to hold it full draw for as long. And so even shooting a bow for me and, you know, a lot of guys deal with like, Oh, the weather's bad and I don't have daylight and all that stuff. Um, I'm right there with you, but if I want to make that a priority, then just realizing that there's value in like, what's the minimum effective dose. And for me, that looks like if I want to stay on top of, uh, shooting my bow, sometimes that's in the basement at three yards, but the muscle memory is kept the endurance and stability of holding and drawing and all that is still practiced. Those muscles are still being used. Um, and so for whatever, I would just encourage people, whatever that is, like think of what's what's a perishable skill slash abilities slash adaptation, meaning like an actual physical body movement that could go to the wayside if I neglect this. And then what's what's a practical way to not necessarily improve it? Like I can't go out and shoot a ton this time of year, but what's that minimum effective dose of maintaining in the off season? So I'm, I'm personally like struggle to do that, Kyle, because to me, if I do something, I want to be like, I'm doing this to improve, to get better, to do it to like the next level and better than I did yesterday. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. When I can't do that, I I just am like, well, there's no point. So I have the personality of if I can't go shoot at distance and if I can't do this and I can't shoot further and I can't shoot more, a lot of times I'll neglect that minimum effective dose or that, that basic like just maintain for a little bit sometimes it's okay to just maintain yeah i uh so little little reach back in history here when i was in my late teens early 20s i had a a an impala with really shiny rims on it big 20s big stereo like where this is going yeah we won't go any further than that but so this is what i had 
And I would meticulously clean that thing every Saturday. Every Saturday, I would spend at least most of my morning cleaning that thing inside and out. And then I got in a little fender bender. And it was like, and I I think this is a good metaphor because I use it even now with the nutrition piece because my mind does the same thing, which is saying, I have a small scratch here, which means it's pointless to make this thing look spotless everywhere else. When in reality, it's like, well, no, not necessarily. You've got 99.9% of the car still there. And so the same thing, it's like, it may not look like for me, I can equate this and we'll just stick stick with the bow bow analogy. I feel like I make progress if I go out and shoot at 80 yards, even though I would never shoot and like try to actually take a shot that far. I may find myself in a situation where you may have said this on the XO podcast. I can't remember, but find myself in a situation where you have you that's all you've got for a follow up, right? If you if you've already hit once and you need to take a follow up, um, or if you're shooting eighty with regularity, sure makes forty seem like not a big problem, right? And so you you feel you you feel like you're doing something. I agree with you. One question I had for you on the, you know, going to three yards in terms of keeping the endurance, thinking about what we do know about training, are you, or have you, would you literally tally how many shots you're taking and try to progressively increase those on a week over week basis to maintain endurance? Or do you simply set a simple goal that says, Three nights a week, I'm going to shoot five arrows. Three nights a week, I'm going to shoot five arrows. I don't. Th- I don't think it's bad to do what you said. Of like, here's how many I'm doing, and I'm going to increase it week over week. Or maybe it's not the number of arrows. Maybe it's how long you're holding it, full draw, etc. To me, that that goes in the mindset of improvement because you're you're being you're scaling, right? Like, I want to do more next week than I did this week, or I want to do more tomorrow than I did today. I, for me in the off season, like with the bow specifically, just where I'm at right now this year, and it's looked different, different years. Like some years I, I want to shoot a ton and I try and go to an indoor range or try and shoot 3d or whatever. This year, I'm just like minimum effective dose. I don't want to be picking up the bow for the first time in the spring when the weather changes. So very practically for me, my office is in my basement and a lot of times I'll like be going up and down the stairs to refill my water, do whatever. I just have my bow out there. And so as I'm coming and going, sometimes it's shooting an arrow. Sometimes it's shooting five arrows. Sometimes it's literally five minutes in the evening. If I haven't, if I've been too busy to shoot those random arrows all day, it's just like not neglecting doing something for months just because it's the off season. So for me right now, where I'm at this year, it's, it's very much minimum effective dose, not strategic, not tracked, not periodized, uh, nothing. It's just, Hey, here's an alternative to not doing this for three or four months or to completely slacking in the off season. Let me just, let me just dabble. Let me continue to dabble in the off season. I would think too that if if a guy was interested or or a woman interested in increasing the poundage that they shoot, like now would be the good a good time to slowly but steadily increase that up to, you know, wherever they want to be, where they still like where they still feel like they can draw without having to point to the sky and you know everything else. But 
Um, yeah, that's a great, that's a good suggestion. Really good suggestion. All right. My number two, I'm cheating. I, and only because I feel like these two are kind of one and the same and that they fall under family. And we'll just categorize, like we'll just, we'll just cast the, uh, the category broad and say, taking care of your family. And for me, it's really two things. One, I don't know if this is because of my job <laughs> or, or what, but I try for Lindsay to have some kind of food prepped for the family. I mean, I cook all the meals here. She can, but she doesn't like it. I do. And, you know, with two young boys, like it's not like you're thinking two hours out, okay, let me go in and make some, you know, special French dish. It's like, no, it, oh, they're crying. I need to feed them <laughs> and you're already behind. Right. So sometimes it's as it, it, frankly, it depends on how much forethought I give or want to give to this. It could be as simple as making sure there are some pre-made like Walmart brand lasagnas in the freezer or enchilada casseroles or whatever. If I have the time and I can remember in the months ahead, then I'll make stuff like that and then just freeze it. So all she's got to do is thaw it out. Not only does it give them dinner, it'll give them lunches or dinners for maybe a whole week and stuff for breakfast. So just kind of the way that our mornings work, um, pre-making things like waffles or pancakes or whatever else all she's got to do is pull them out of the freezer and you could buy like ego waffles just just making sure something is there is something i've definitely found that she uh appreciates the second thing that um maybe this is selfish if this is selfish you can let me know how because like i said i already spend my money on gear and Lindsay spends her money on friends so i'm already feeling a little little convicted here but um <laughs> i try to make sure <laughs> Oh, I hope my family doesn't listen to this. I try to make sure that we have all family visits, anything done by the time October gets there. Meaning that's like completely reasonable. All that. Me no, let's yeah. let's change the way that you're saying this, Kyle, and you'll feel better. You were prioritizing family visits. So that you are available <laughs> for them and even doing it before your hunts so it's a bigger priority cow because you're doing it first you're either a good friend well you're either a good friend or a really bad enabler i don't know but i like it I'm, that's what <laughs> i'm gonna start using but i mean but here's i mean here is the rationale behind it i you know i have intentionally somewhat intentionally somewhat unintentionally found out look if i want to be a decent dad and a husband i really need to just pick one hobby that i pour most of my time into because my personality is such that i could have there are three or four things that interest me quite a bit and if 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 i didn't if i wasn't intentional with my time i could easily be wrapped up in those all the time so i've kind of chosen really anything as it relates to the outdoors hiking hunting running biking whatever um as my thing that only pulls me away from the house in the fall. So in my mind, I've, you know, there's 10 months of complete I'm home and I'm totally home. Right. And so when those two months come, I will admit this, Lindsay would say, yeah, this is true. So I, I'm not telling, I'm not saying any secrets, but 
I am definitely selfish with my time. You know, like if someone were to, Hey, such and such wants to know if we want to come and visit. Nope. We'll be there in December (laughs) (laughs) or Hey, you know, do you want to go on Friday? Do you want to go dinner with such? Nope. We can do it in December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August if you want, but not in October, not in September. So I try to make sure that, you know, anyone who is important to us, we've, tried to spend time with them. If it's family, all no, none of our family lives here. So that in, you know, that, that usually includes quite a bit of travel, making sure that we've done those things, but really overall as a broad category, uh, hunting or really any uh, ultras could be the same people that are really invested into backcountry skiing, any sort of hobby that pulls you away from the house can really mean a, a reasonable amount of wait, a time away from the house and can really, um, appropriately be labeled as selfish. It is. I mean, if we're honest, mm-hmm. that is somewhat selfish if you've got a family. So to combat that, I really try to make sure one of my major priorities is making sure that Lindsay and the boys are taken care of. And, you know, our, our broader family, I care about them, but, you know, those three are my number one priority. So knowing the stressors of the home and making sure that I've done everything I can to eliminate those for her while I'm gone. Um, I, I try to make sure that that's done way before I leave. Yeah. I like that. What's your second one? We can just do two by the way too. Yeah. I think the, this actually ties, but uh, it ties very well with what you said. My next point was going to be thinking. So if you take the off season, right. And again, I'm talking hunting. This could be different things for different people. Maybe, maybe someone listening to this, like their thing, maybe it's not the off season right now in January. Maybe this is their prime time because they're super into snowboarding, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe their off season is July for their thing. I would just say that as you head into your off season, think ahead about what's to come. So, the cycle continues. Okay, my peak season is going to be six months from now or eight months now. Eight months from now, that's the season when I'm, like you said, selfish. Like that's when I need to use my time wisely. My head just and some of this is is personal. So for context, like similar as you, Kyle, my primary selfish time, my hunting season is primarily September, October, November. What coincides with that professionally working for Exo Mountain Gear is our busiest time is the three months leading up to that because we're helping everyone else prepare for their September, October, November. And so I almost have to write off those three months leading up to that when most people are getting ready. I That can't be the time that I'm doing most of my preparation because it's just too busy. And so I just have to have a different longer time window. And so I need to think ahead of right now in January, not thinking of September 1st, but more thinking of like June 1st. And if I want my fall to go well, what can I do now to prepare as much as possible for that? And there's things I can't do. Like I'll still need to practice with my weapon and train in the months leading up to the hunt. But things like gear research, e-scouting, um, all those different types of things as a hunter, I need to front load that 
And so some of that's a unique to my situation, but the larger point I would say is in the off season is look ahead to your next thing, your next event, your next prime time season, and quite literally reverse engineer the days, weeks, months between now and then so that you are using it properly. And what you fill that time with and what you need to do is going to be different for all of us, but it's the intentionality of, okay, six months from now or eight months from now is this thing. What can I do to work backwards from that point in time until now and use that time, you know, most wisely. And that could be, again, that could be training. It could be gear. It could be research. It could be investing in family. It could be a lot of different things, but just that intentionality of looking ahead and then working backwards to today. Yeah, I think um, you're right. And I think one of the one of the things that I found most helpful for me, because when you're, you know, when you're, let's say that you're really anywhere between, let's call it like early twenties to geez, probably early, even early fifties, you've got young kids, you're working quite a bit, blah, blah, blah. It can be really tough to feel like you have the time. The thing that really, really changed my perspective on that was the focus calendar that you had initially so, uh, showed me, which really is is basic. You set up hour blocks or 30 minute blocks or 20 minute, whatever you can manage. And you plug in there what it is that you want to pay attention to and you want to focus on. And if you really only focus on what's in that block, you can, I mean, I'm blown away by how much more I get done when I actually do that. And I think it's twofold. Number one, it's intentional time. So you don't find yourself like rabbit trailing into some side project. And therefore you've got like a million different things unfinished. But second to that, I was and have been reminded of even if you, let's say that you can only plug in 30 minute window, five nights a week, the accumulation of those 30 minutes over time of focused work you get a lot done. Like you can, you, I've been pretty amazed by, you know, like kind of going back to the analogy of the car that we used a minute ago, you, you look at your calendar, you're like, I've only got 30 minutes. And so you write it off. You're like, well, there's no, I can't reload anything in 30 minutes. I can't, you know, even, I can't even drive to the range in 30 minutes, much less get five arrows down the range plus drive home. I can't train in 30 minutes. It's going to take 10 minute drive each way just to get to the gym. If instead you say like, no, cause that will accumulate and you start revamping some of the things you've thought about here. Well, I can't get to the range, but I can shoot in my garage. I can't get to the gym, but I can buy a sandbag. I can't whatever. I can't reload, but maybe I can deprime. And then the next night I can prep the primer and prep the casing. And then I can, I can trim, I can, right? And so that's that's what I ended up having to do this summer. I got to a point where I was pretty low on uh, the number of rounds that I had left. And I think I was waiting on some components. And long story short, I j there was no window of time in the evenings where I could just like sit down and, and reload 50 shells. So what I did was, is I put in an hour each evening for each step of the process. And then by the end of, you know, those five to seven days I had 50 rounds. Right. And, and part of that was like, look, this is all I've got to work with. <laughs> this is going to have to be good enough, you know, and uh, it was. And so you, I think that, you know, really having that, if you feel like you don't have a lot of time, 
or maybe you've only got this 30 minute window. Cause like at some point you've got to sleep. I mean, I, you know, yay, rah, rah for the Goggins mentality, but that's just not practical over a stretch of life. Right. So if you've got 30 minutes, nine 30 to 10, you put the kids in bed and you've got this 30 minute window of just time. Maybe your wife's taking a bath for the evening. You can take that 30 minutes. And if you start thinking about compounding interest, I think that like me, you'll probably be pretty shocked by what you can get done in that 30 minute window. If you just keep repeating that. Yeah. That's an excellent description of how I get most of my stuff done. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. I've ever, if we said reloading is perfect example that, cause that's how I do it all of the time. I don't know that I've ever sat down and taken a case and deprimed it, cleaned it full length, sized it, uh, you know, trimmed it, done all of the steps involved i don't think i've ever done that in my whole life like it's always here's 50 dirty cases let me clean them then tomorrow maybe i'll resize them and then the next day maybe i'll prime them while watching a show with my kids and then and it's the same like um if i want to make a tweak on my bow like maybe i want a paper tune it it is very likely kyle that i would shoot through paper on one night make an adjustment two nights later in a 20 minute window like oh i need to move my rest you know to the left that's probably happening two days later on a different night and then on another night i'm shooting through paper again to see what those results were um i i just that's how most of my stuff gets done well i think it's good i think it's good to talk about because i just know through conversations i've had with um either either close friends or maybe like maybe just acquaintances, the assumption when you listen to a lot of podcasts like this um, and, and guys who even quote unquote work in the industry is like, they're just sitting there knocking out stuff all the time. They're not invested in their kids. It's like, no, they're doing stuff in 20 minute windows, but that's all they're doing, right? They're not like trying to keep up with their whatever else. Like they're, they're focused. And that was the difference is like, you know, I was really guilty of, dabbling in this and dabbling in that and dabbling in this whenever I really just sort of change the focus over to, okay, I'm only going to focus on this. I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not doing whatever. And to jump back to your point, yes, that's, that's nice, but it also gives you, you know, everyone who is interested in any certain hobby and has kids hopes their kids take that on so in some capacity. It doesn't have to be full fledged, but in some capacity, they're hoping oh, it'd be great to pass this along to my kids this like doing that gives you the opportunity to do it because there's parts of reloading like priming's the priming a great example that they can help with you know maybe they don't you know it's not a factory don't put your kid there and have them knock out 50 so you can go do something else but when they're a little bit older yeah (laughs) yeah if they want (laughs) to you know if they want to squeeze the priming tool a couple of times like that's fun they get it you know, they get, they get to invest in little components of that. And then you, it's almost like a science experiment. You get to go out and like, all right, well, you know, let's see how your, let's see how it did. Like you created this thing. It's a recipe. I'm going to shoot this arrow and send my kids 50 yards down range (laughs) to pull it and bring it back to me. Like we're involved. We're doing something together. He's learning how to fetch. Like it's a win-win. Yeah. Have I taught you about oil drain plugs? Come here. Let's. <laughs> we may as well. We may as well teach you now. But yeah, I think it's a great. Um, I think it's it's a great uh, way to, especially like now. It's January the fifth that we're recording this. If you did five nights a week, thirty minutes of a focused X, Y, and Z 
oh my gosh, you could just get so much done between now and whenever your season starts. So anyway, I appreciate you coming on. I know this is like crazy season for you. It seems like your crazy season is 12 months a year in some way or another between, be between show season and everything else. So any last minute tidbits you want to throw out? No, I think that's honestly a, like if I were to leave one big tip instead of getting in, into the nitty gritty of should you shoot or how should you shoot or should you do this or how should you do that is it's what you said there on making the most use of small windows of time. Maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes, but if you do that consistently, it compounds. Um, it's a great way to to leave people with that thought. Well, I can't top that. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the episode this week. I hope that you have enjoyed the series. And more importantly, I hope that you found a nugget or two in each episode that will help you progressively improve on whatever it is that you're trying to improve before your season gets here. Maybe your season's now. Hopefully this will give you something to think about in your off season. Either way, I hope there's something that you can take away from it. I truly feel like one of the best things I've learned over the years as our family has grown and as I've gotten more and more obligations with Valley to Peak is trying to maximize the time that I do have rather than wishing I had more time and never doing anything about it. I literally put blocks in my calendar that set aside 30 minute windows for me to focus on something that I enjoy doing that either improves the skill or prepares me to go do stuff that I love to do, especially if that's going to be time away from family, friends or whatever. It seems like an insignificant amount of time, so it won't matter. But really that compounding interest like Mark and I talked about makes a huge difference. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks for more nutrition related topics throughout the year. We've got a lot of a lot of different things planned that I'm looking forward to covering in 2023. But as always, if you have any topics that you want to hear covered in the show, shoot us an email to info at v2pnutrition.com. And we would be more than happy to cover those as well as if you just have questions about your own nutrition, about your own training, about something you hear on the podcast, reach out. We'd still love to talk to you, even if we don't necessarily plan to cover it in the podcast. I'd be more than happy to help. If you've got questions, you can email us again at info at b2pnutrition.com. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you back here again in a couple of weeks with a new episode.